you, Madison. Who's got that today? I believe, is Tiffany here today? Okay. Thank you for the heads up there, brother. Hunter, Hunter's guiding traffic. You notice that says? <laughs> Rylan. <laughs> He's busy. He's got better things to do than Brother Bill. Well, yesterday we started off our 2014-2015 college football season. And I got to watch a little bit of Alabama football. If you're an Alabama fan, raise your hand. Wow. I just want you to know that your team played really well yesterday. But I also watched a little bit of Auburn football. If you're an Auburn fan, raise your hand. Amen. I want you to know your team played pretty well yesterday. Uh, how many of you watched Tennessee play yesterday? That's good because they play tonight. I want you to know, I know you guys are praying that your team plays well. Amen. I know it's just Joan and Kyle. They're the only two misfits in here. Amen. Uh, we're praying for you. Okay. Uh, but I also want you to know that uh, I got to watch the highlight clip from the Florida game. Man, it was awesome. Did anybody else see that? Amen. My fellow Gator, did you see the highlight clip? It was one play. And it was almost a complete uh, run back for a touchdown. But they had to cancel the game. But you know something that struck me? For four hours, those fans waited for that game. In the rain, some of them. In the lightning, others of them. Tens of thousands waited four hours. For the highlight of their day, Florida playing Idaho. Really? <laughs> Idaho? But it just struck me that people are so willing to do that. But then they're unwilling to be fed by the bread of life. So today, in honor of the Florida-Idaho game, I'm going to preach for four hours. Yeah. Hallelujah. If you love it, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, we all want to be part of a winning team, amen? Uh, uh, we Gators, Jim, we're praying we have a winning team. Uh, after last year was miserable uh, not being a winning team, but we want to be one this year. Uh, but, you know, before we, before we can be a winning team at home, before we can be a winning team at work, before we can be a winning team, even at church, we've got to learn some secrets for success. And I believe that the number one secret of success for the home team, for the work team, and for the church team is cooperation. Who knows what cooperation is? I know Tim ought to know. Tell us, Tim. Tell us, Tim. What's cooperation? People working together. John, what do you say? People working together. Anybody else got another idea? What is cooperation? Getting along. Unity. What else? There it is. Cooperation is indeed simply working together toward a common goal. 
working together toward a common purpose. For every single team that played college football yesterday, their common purpose was to be a winning team. My prayer is, is that you desire to be part of a winning team at home, here at church, and even in your workplace. Now, last week, we all agreed that the number one supreme goal for every Christian ought to be that we want to be more and more like Jesus. Amen? We all want to be more like Jesus. So I pray that if you want to be part of a winning team, you're going to cooperate. Amen? All of us working together toward a common goal that we're going to cooperate so that we can all, say all, so that we can all attain that goal of becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, I heard this story about one point during a game when the, a Little League baseball coach came up to one of his young players and he said, son, do you understand what cooperation is? He said, son, do you understand the concept of team? And the little boy nodded that he understood. And then the coach said, do you understand what it means that we need to win together as a team? And the little boy nodded, yes, uh, he understood. So the coach under, or continued, he said, when a strike is called, when you're called out at first base, you don't argue or curse or uh, attack the umpire. Do you understand all that? And the little boy understood that he, he nodded that he understood all that. And the coach said, good. Then I'm glad you understand that. Now go over there and make sure your mom understands it. <laughs> Amen? For any success to happen on any team, for success to happen on the home team, for success to happen here at the church team, for success to happen in the school team, at the work team, for any success to happen, cooperation is vitally important. It's absolutely imperative. Friends, your message today comes from the book of Philippians. And Philippians deals a lot with the problems from within a team. It deals a lot with the problems we all face being part of a team. So in your new series uh, entitled Cheering on the Home Team, my prayer is, is that you're going to see that as you are a part of a team, you can be joyful no matter what the circumstances are. You can be joyful no matter what the problems are. Because you are part of a team. Amen? You know, today, Paul starts right off by talking about other team members. He begins by talking about other people. Uh, if our relationships within our team are bad, then life kind of stinks. Amen? If the relationships within our team are strained then life is kind of difficult. I mean, if you have problems with people within your team, it can suck the joy right out of your life. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, and let's see what the secret to success is as we read the words of Paul 
in the book of Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul writes to this church. Who's he writing to? Church people. Amen. He's writing to the home team. He's writing to the church team. And here's what he says in verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy. And for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of this in you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness of how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve of the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Today, I want to share with you four things, four kinds of people, actually, that the home team can't be without. The home team, for the home team to succeed, it's got to have all four of these kind of people. Here's your first one. The home team can't succeed unless it has grateful people. Say grateful people. Verse 3 said, I thank my God. Upon every remembrance of you. And then in verse 5 continues. Thankful for what? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Friends, as team members of the church team. As team members at home on the home team. We need to, be, we need to learn to be grateful for the good in people. Amen? We need to be grateful for the good. Paul said, I love to remember the good things about you guys. He said, I love to choose to focus on the good times we had. He said, I love to recall all the positive experiences we shared. If you're to be honest with yourself, do you remember the good in people or the bad in people? If we're honest, where we have a strong tendency as human beings to remember the bad. But here's what uh, Paul wants us to know. We need to focus on the good in people. In Acts chapter 16, the Bible tells us that Paul went to Philippi, and when he got there, he was arrested illegally, he was whipped, humiliated, and thrown in the dungeon, thrown in the prison. Paul was not having a good day. Paul was not having a good time. In fact, Paul was having a bad time. He was having a difficult time. Yet he says this, when I think of you, I remember all the good things. I remember all the good things. I thank God every time I remember you. You see, Paul could have chosen, say chosen. Paul could have chosen to dwell on the negative. There was plenty of negative that Paul could have dwelled on. Paul could have chosen to remember the painful. 
friends, there was lots of pain that he suffered when he was in Philippi. Instead, he chose on things that he could be grateful for. He chose to remember the things that he could be thankful for. Have you ever been hurt by a partner? Hurt by a family member? Hurt by a parent? Perhaps hurt by a child? And for some reason, you're holding on to that hurt? Friends, as a result of that past pain, you can't even enjoy being around them anymore because you've been hurt and all you can remember on, all you can remember and all you can focus on is that bad moment, that negative moment. Have you ever been there? I've been there. But there's good in there somewhere. Amen? It takes a bigger person to look for the good, to focus on the good. It's in there somewhere. Now, granted, with some of them, you got to look real deep to find it. Amen? But let me tell you, it's in there. The good is in there. You just got to look hard for that. You can find something good in everybody. Everybody's got something good about them, you know, but if you, if you don't focus on that, then you're going to focus on the negative. Consider this. Good memories are a choice. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the good memories or are you focusing on the bad? I choose. I choose what I want to remember. Amen? And so do you. We choose what we want to remember about the past. So, number one lesson. Number one lesson. In order to have success on the home team, to have success at the church team, at the school team, at the work team, number one lesson is remember the best, forget the rest. Say that with me. Remember the best, forget the rest. Remember the good that you find in people. I'm not saying that you deny the hurt. I'm not saying that you even ignore the hurt. I'm not saying that you excuse the sin in other people. I'm not saying that you excuse the weaknesses in others. All I'm saying is, is that you're making a conscious choice to focus on the good. To remember and emphasize someone's strengths rather than their weaknesses. We need the team member. We need team members that can learn to be grateful for the good we find in other people. Now here's another uh, thing that we can't live without if we're going to be part of the home team. Because for the home team to be successful, we can't be without praying people. Not only grateful people, but praying people. We, as team members, part of the church team, we have to practice positive praying. Amen? Say that with me. Practice positive praying. We all need to do that. Look what Paul said in verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all, and get this, in joy. Praying for all of you in joy. Man, how would you like to have the Apostle Paul pray for you? I mean, you want to talk about a prayer warrior? I want him. Amen? I'd love to have him praying for me. Uh, what an incredible encouragement it is when team members let you know that you're being prayed for. Amen? Isn't it encouraging when a team member comes up to you and says, you know, your sister that has been diagnosed with cancer, I'm praying for her. Is that not an encouragement? It's such an encouragement when we, when we have that 
uh, that team member who says, I am praying for you. So here's lesson number two. You want success on the home team? You want success here at the church team? Well, the quickest way to change a relationship from bad to good or from good to better is to start thanking God for them in prayer. Start thanking God for them in prayer. Now, that's going to do two things. When you start thanking God for them in prayer, two things are going to happen. First of all, it's going to change your attitude. You can't come before God, bringing somebody else before them, asking God to do a miraculous work in them, asking God to change them, unless it changes your attitude about them. Number two, what your prayers will do is it will change them too. It's going to change them as well. It is so important to realize that positive praying is much more powerful than positive thinking. So you want to get them back? Amen? You want a little revenge? Pray for them. Amen? That'll change your attitude and change their life. You know, people have said, you know, somebody may reject me. If I let them know that I'm praying for them, they may reject me. I don't want your prayers. But they're going to get it anyway. And they are powerless against my prayers. They may reject me, but they're powerless against my prayers. You know, when you uh, go up to somebody and you say, I'll pray for you. How many of y'all have said that before? One, two, raise them up high so I can see. How many times you said, you know what, I'll pray for you. Amen. What do you pray? Praise the Lord. What do you pray for me? pray blessings over my life, and I love that. But listen to what Paul did. It's real interesting because Paul says, you know, uh, we all pray for people that are in a crisis. I mean, when people are sick, I pray for them in their sickness. When they're facing surgery, I pray for them in their surgery. When they're having a relational issue, I pray for their relationship. Crisis is easy. It's kind of direction. But you know what? How are you going to pray for me? You see, the more specific your prayer is, the more specific your answer is going to be. So we need to learn, like Paul, to pray specifically. I'm all about getting a blessing. But getting a blessing on what? I'm all about being changed. But changed how? I'm all about the events of my life being changed. But how? Give me some specifics. Listen to what Paul said. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation, beginning in verse 9. Here's what he says. And this is my prayer. I'm praying for you guys, and this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may, get this, number two, discern what is best, and number three, be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. And number four, that you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. Those verses give us four things that we can pray, and we know that when we pray those, they'll be answered. Because it's all in God's will. They're all right here in the Bible. All right? So Paul said, I pray 
that your love may abound. What was he saying? He said, I pray that you will grow in love. That's important. We all need to grow in love. Two, he said, I pray that you will discern what's best. What does that mean? It means that I pray you will make wise choices. Number three, he said, I pray that you'll be pure and blameless. What does that mean? It means I pray that you will do the right thing. I need prayers that will encourage me to do the right thing. And number four, that I be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And what does that mean? I pray that they will live for the glory of God. Amen? Specific, simple prayers. Growing in love, making wise choices, doing the right thing, and living for the glory of God. Paul says if you want to have a successful team, friends, do y'all want to have a successful team? You want to have a successful team at home, at church, at work, at school? You want to have a successful team? Paul says you first got to be grateful for the good. And two, you got to pray positively. You got to pray positively. But here's something else that the home team can't be without. The home team can't be without patient people. As team members, we need to be we need to learn to be patient with people's progress. People progress at different rates. Some people progress super fast. Others, not so much. We all progress at different rates. But Paul looked at people's future, not at people's past. I'm glad that this church didn't look at my past, per se. But they saw what God had in store for my future. That's the same thing that Paul did. Paul said, I'm looking at his potential. Where's he going? Where's he heading? What's God going to do in him? I'm looking at his potential. And then Paul was patient as he, they progressed there in that Philippian church. Verse 6 said, being confident of this very thing that he, who's he? Jesus, that Jesus who began a good work in you will complete it until the day Jesus Christ returns. Paul says this, if you're listening, say amen. What God starts, God finishes. Y'all got that? What God begins, he finishes. We need to know that. Typically, people are great starters. Y'all have started so many things. I have attempted so many ministries. I have done so many things that I thought I was doing right. But very few of them have I finished. People typically are great starters. We're just horrible finishers. But Paul wants you to know that in spite of your hang-ups, in spite of your faults, in spite of your sins, in spite of your bad decisions, in spite of the horrible circumstances that you go through, Jesus is going to finish the work he began in you. What God starts, he finishes. I want you to know, every person in this room, God has started something in you, and he desires to finish it. My, my question to you, will you just yield to him? Will you just say, you know, Lord, you started something miraculous in me. Take me and use me as you will. Take me. Finish the work you've begun in me. What he starts, he finishes. See, the Bible says that one day, friend, when you get to heaven, you're going to become just like Jesus. 
And you're going to see him just as he is. And that should be our supreme goal, amen? That we should be more like Jesus. Well, I want you to never be fearful because God's going to finish what he started in you. He always finishes what he starts. So lesson number three, remember this thing and you will have done well today. God is not finished with people. They may have veered way off course, but God is not finished with him yet. She may be doing things that would embarrass the parent, but God ain't done with her yet. And so you need to be praying for her, and you need to thank God for her, and you need to be patient with her progress. Remember, God is not finished with people. I mean, even the great apostle Paul, as awesome as he was, he could say, I thank God that I'm not the man I used to be. Paul killed Christians. He was responsible for the murder of many Christians. He, and he said, I thank God I'm not that man. But he also was big to say, you know what? I'm also not yet the man I'm going to be. Why? Because God ain't done with me yet. I want to tell you today, God's not done with you yet. You may be backsliding, you may be in a rut, you may be in a funk, you don't know where you are, but God ain't done with you yet if you yield and allow him to do that supernatural work that only he can do. We need to remember that the Christian life is a process. Say process. The Christian life is a process. We are all growing because if you're not growing, you're dying. We're all growing. We're all changing, amen? We all ought to be getting closer to God. We all ought to never be satisfied with where we're at with Christ. We all ought to be getting closer and growing to him. So my point is, let's enjoy each other in the process. Amen? You can look at me and say, man, he's so far from what Jesus is going to make in his life, but I'm going to hang with him and enjoy him while he makes all his flubs, amen? Let's enjoy each other in the process and not just wait to enjoy each other when we get to heaven, when we arrive there. You know, there's a common mistake that I believe we all make, and that is we judge people on the basis of how far they have to go instead of how far they've already come. Amen? Man, if you looked at me, you'd say, that boy's got a long way to go. And you'd be right. But friend, if you only knew how far I'd already come, you'd have a greater appreciation for what God has done in me. Amen? Same thing. We ought to be grateful for the good in people. We ought to be practicing positive praying for people. We ought to be patient as people progress in this Christian life, this process. But you know what? The home team can't be successful without loving people either. Loving people. We as team members need to learn to do this. Love people from the heart. I love pizza. I love the beach. I love swimming. I love an occasional road trip. I love going out to eat. But that ain't the same kind of love that God talks about when he says that he loves you. He loves you from his heart. You know, I've discovered something. That if people aren't on my heart, you know where they're at? They're on my nerves. Amen? 
Man, if I didn't love you guys so much, that's exactly where y'all be. I love you from the heart. You know, if, if, if you're dealing with children, if you don't have kids in your heart, guess where they're going to be? On your nerves. That's a promise. If you don't have your husband on your heart, oh, yeah, he's going to get on your nerves. Can I get a testimony? Man, she'd give up on me a long time ago if I wasn't on her heart. Maybe that's why so many marriages are crumbling. Maybe we're so busy loving our mates from the mind and not the heart. And so our marriages break down. You know, I think that, that listening and loving from the heart Here's the words behind the words. You ever heard that before? You know, if I really love you from the heart, then I'm just not going to be paying attention to that temper tantrum you're throwing. I'm going to be trying my best to listen to the words behind the words so that I really understand what's going on in your life. Why? I love you from the heart, not just from my mind. My mind would say, give up on her, give up on him. But no, my heart says, I want to know what's really going on. Listening and loving from the heart. See, the heart love yearns to understand. The heart love, it, it yearns to understand why people feel a certain way. It looks at the words behind the words. I mean, why does that guy at work act like such a jerk? Amen? Y'all got him? Y'all know who I'm talking about? You know that one, don't you? Why does he act like such a fool? Why does he act that way? Well, maybe you don't know the background that he's gone through. Maybe... You don't know how far he's come in the last 10 years. Maybe we need to be loving people more from the heart instead of from the mind. But how do you do that? How do you love people who are incredibly unlovable? You ever met people like that? Incredibly unlovable. How do I do that? Paul says so in verse 8. He says, God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all, get this, with the affection of Jesus Christ. There's your key. There's your key. In the original language of the Bible, that word affection means guts. I love you with all my guts. Amen? I love you with everything in me. I love you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Paul would say, well, I've got a gut feeling of love for you. He would say, you know, uh, this love that I've got, it, it makes me love people, even those people who are difficult to love. I can do it not because of who I am, but because of who God is. And you'd say, well, man, that ain't natural. And you know what I'd say? You're right. 
It ain't natural. It's supernatural. Friend, it's the affection of Jesus Christ we're talking about here. It's the affection of Jesus that enables you to love people who are incredibly unlovable. You see, human love, human love wears out. Human love shrivels up and dies on the vine. Human love fades over time. But this kind of love I'm talking about, this kind of love, it lasts and lasts. This kind of love, it lasts and lasts through all the heartache. It lasts through all the difficulties. It lasts through all the toughest circumstances. Friend, it's God's love. It's the affection of Jesus Christ. And it lasts and lasts. So lesson number four for the successful home team. The secret to a successful home team is for us to be filled with the love of God. Now, for preachers, that's almost like a cliche. How do you deal with it? Well, you got to be filled with the love of God. I need to know how. I need to know some details about this love of God stuff. How? How do I get filled with the love of God? Well, Romans 5, 5 tells us, listen to this. God has poured out his love into our hearts. Y'all hear that straight from the word of God? God has poured out his love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. What does that mean? God's love is something that's poured into me by the Holy Spirit as I yield to him day by day. Guess what? If I'm not yielding, then I can't expect the love of God to be in me. But if I'm yielding who Bill Barlow is, if I'm yielding who Brother Bill is, and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to fill me, then the word of God says that God pours out his love in me, and the love that you see, it ain't my love. You don't want mine. You want his. It's the love of God. It's the affection of Jesus Christ. See, this thing is, it's something that he does in me. It's something that he does through me. In you and through you. So if our supreme goal is to be more and more like Jesus Christ, then we've got to learn to respond to people like Jesus did. I read a quote by Henry Ford. And it says, if everyone is moving forward together, then success takes care of itself. If we're all moving forward together, don't sweat the success. It will take care of itself. So that being said, who do you need to be thankful for? that you've taken for granted in your life? Who is it that you have failed to appreciate? Are you praying for those who are around you every day? I mean, are you praying for your kids? Are you praying for your husband, for your wife, for your friends? Are you praying that they'll be filled with the love of God? Are you praying that they will make wise decisions and do right things and that they'll live for the glory of God? Are you praying that? Who is it 
you need to be patient with as they progress in this process of human life, of Christian life. Somebody at work? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe you need to be more patient with your husband, amen? Amen. You know, you may look at how far they have yet to go, but maybe you've forgotten how far they've come. So pray for them and be patient as they progress. Who do you need to start loving from the heart instead of from your head? Paul started this little church in Philippi, and he had these people right here on his heart. And that word in the Bible that means enjoying people is a word we use a lot. It's a word called fellowship. together like this and we fellowship what are we saying? Well, I like hanging out with you. I like enjoying you. I'm thankful for you. I'm patient with you. I love you. You know, that's what it's all about on the home team. That's what it's all about on the church team.
struggle. And you're about to throw in the towel and leave the tent. Then you need encouragement. Here's one of Sister Coach. would love to tell you some encouragement. Whatever the case is, this decision time, it's for you. So whatever you need, I pray that you come and bring it in touch. Let me pray for you before we leave. of the throne of